you this week, which was cool. I haven't met a lot of you, so I hope I get to. I think I got this on upside down. Hang on. Mm. You got it. Thank you. Now it's upside down, actually. Now it's <laughs> <laughs> it goes over your ears. Here. Okay, okay, never mind. Now it's like, there we go. Call this the Britney Spears mic. <laughs> but uh, some of us don't wear it as well as she did. Um, mostly me. Okay, but yeah, glad to see you guys. Man, this is this is cool. This is encouraging to see all of you here. Um, I hope you already know somebody here. If you don't, um, please don't leave uh, without meeting somebody. Um, or multiple someones uh, would be even better. Um, but yeah, we really do want you guys to feel like you have a chance to be known uh, here and not just come in for the session or the, the sermon or whatever and, and sneak out. So please don't do that. That's also why we have things like after events. That's not just to goof off, but we really want you guys to feel like you have a chance to connect. Um, and, uh, and just make some meaningful friendships here in college. So, uh, I just wanted to talk a little bit briefly about what is Focus, because I know a lot of you are new. Um, we're a community of people on campuses across DFW. This is the Denton branch, if you will, of that. So we've got UNT in the house, TWU, NCTC. Um, and so um, about 25 years ago is when this whole thing started. And we're really excited to be just here in DFW. We're not looking to go all over the place. We really feel like God has called us to the Metroplex and to be on every campus in the Metroplex, and there's lots of them. We're currently on about 14 of them, and there's more to go. Um, but yeah, we, we really feel called to this area in particular, and we're glad that you guys are here. Um, and I just want to say, like, uh, as far as our, our vision and mission, we, we are here because we really think the university is really just a very unique and kind of crazy place. Um, people come not just from all over the area, but all over the U.S. and, and all over the world, really, um, to this one place. They all come here, right? Or to wherever the university is. And so I remember coming to UNT from the first time uh, a few years ago, just a couple years ago, really. Uh, I was a freshman, um, and I had moved from... Right here! I, <laughs> I was a freshman who was moving here from out of state, um, so I didn't, I didn't know anybody. I was excited, I was ready, I took a year off before I came here to get even more ready, you know? Uh, and I lived in Kerr Hall. Anybody in Kerr Hall? Yeah! Yeah! That's right! Man, that was back when Kerr Hall had a cafeteria in Kerr Hall, and I lived the first door inside the dorm, right next to the cafeteria. Yeah. So anytime I wanted, up until midnight, I'd go get breakfast. It was lit. It was awesome. <laughs> I had pancakes all the time. I had way too many pancakes. Um, we would also like, uh, I guess I probably should run my mouth. It was good. It was good. Um, they had unlimited cereal, which was awesome. Uh, but I was also in a time of a lot of change, uh, honestly, just personally and obviously geographically uh, moving from out of state. And I was really kind of figuring out what kind of person I wanted to be. Um, I knew I wanted a degree. I wanted some fat stacks of cash, if you guys can relate to that. That's what I was looking for. But I had very little faith or clear belief in God, even after growing up in the church. And I really needed good friends, um, not just because I had just moved, but because up until that point, I was not a very good friend to people, and I hadn't had a lot of examples of good friendship in my life. Um, I'm not saying that because I'm like bitter about that, I'm just being honest, I need good friends. And I think that's where a lot of people coming into college kind of fall, somewhere in there. It's on a, you know, a lot of changes, a lot of things we're figuring out. And college is a time of solidifying 
uh, really who you are often. Like, who am I going to be as an adult? Uh, you know, what am I going to spend the rest of my days working on career-wise? What do I really care about, and who am I going to be, and who are going to be my people? So I wanted to invite you to explore these questions and more and learn about Jesus and build really good friendships here in this community. It's going to be a home base for you guys to work through all those questions and figure all that stuff out, but we want to be a home for you while you do that. Um, and then real quick, I'm just going to introduce our staff, not so that don't clap into your room, just so you know who they are. Um, my name's Ryan, back there taking the picture who played home. that's Steven, and then we have Darby right here on the computer, and Drew, whoever Drew is, okay, great. And then we have Shayla, she's the one who prayed for me, and then we have uh, Becca, she played keys up here, where's Becca, right there, and then we have two apprentices, apprentices are kind of like our... Are, they're here for 10 months, maybe longer, we'll see, hopefully, you know, that kind of thing. But right now, they're, they're committed to 10 months here on these campuses. That's Kiana and Catherine. Woo! All right, awesome. So that's who we are. We're here. And then we have Reagan, who's not here tonight, but she will be back next week. And I'll let her tell you why. Uh, you'll probably see why. Anyways, um, we're here dedicated to you guys in this ministry full-time. We don't work for a church and do this kind of on the side, like we are here for you guys, for the college ministry. That's our mission field, that's where we feel called. Um, and we're here to build meaningful relationships with y'all and to bring Jesus to the campus. Um, so I don't want to say all that to say like, oh, that's super impressive, but rather I just want to communicate that we really care about you guys. We are here and available for you, so always feel free to reach out to us if you want to get coffee or talk or whatever. People don't drink as much coffee as they used to. Like, Maybe it's tea, I don't know. Um, yeah, I drink, I drink lots of coffee. Um, okay, so yeah, that's who we are. And then just to introduce kind of what we care about, I wanted to take this time in this sermon to do that through some scripture with you guys tonight. Because uh, I think it'd be helpful for setting up, like, what are we really about here? Like, what, if you come here, what are you going to experience us pointing to and caring about the most? We'll start our actual sermon series that will go through the rest of the next couple months. Next week, this one will be kind of like, a little bit different, a little bit standalone. Okay, so three things that are key to what we aim to do here in Focus, and I want you to remember them tonight. We're about following Jesus, we're about real relationships, and we're about developing leaders. Those three things are kind of the lifeblood of our energies here in this ministry. There's a lot of things that ministries focus on, a lot that they offer, and a lot of that overlaps with what I just mentioned but I want you to leave here at least having an idea of what you can expect us to be focused on in this community. So I'm going to talk about those. So first one, following Jesus. We are all about Jesus here. We are just crazy enough to believe that Jesus is one, the full and complete image of God, and also the ultimate example of what it means to be human. What it means to be human. He showed us how to be fully human, and step with the reality of who you were created to be. And we believe he was full of true life. He was effective and important for all the right reasons. In John 10.10 it says, I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. And in Colossians 1.15 it says, The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. So we believe that God revealed himself through Jesus. To the world, and that Christianity is not about being a part of a religious demographic that you fall into, but about making Jesus our teacher of how we're supposed to live every day. 
And so we don't want to come here and just impart to you guys, here is a list of rules. We want to grow together into a way of living. A Jesus way of living. So when we read the Gospels, we're trying to understand them and let Jesus' life that's depicted in there literally teach us and transform us. And we're serious about this. It's no secret, it won't be if you stick around, that we really hope you become a radical follower of Jesus who looks more like him every day. That's our hope. See, Jesus lived the most extraordinary life lived of any human, and he invites us to come and follow him. So we look at how he lived, how he spoke, how he treated people, how he loved them, and we say that's where we see what it means to be truly human as we were meant to be. And with that, I want to say that we also welcome you to be here no matter where you're at with Jesus. You may already know him and want to grow deeper roots. That's great. You may know very little or you may know some things and not really like what you know. You don't have to be a Jesus follower to belong here. One second. Get some ring. Um, that's my special ringing switch. I'm just popping on in there. That's awesome. Um, you don't have to be a Jesus follower to belong here is what I'm saying. People should treat you right here, whatever place you find yourself in life. That's our goal. But I'm just telling you, we're definitely going to talk about Jesus and try to learn from him. But we welcome you to be here if that's not where you're at. This is a place where you can hear and see and decide what you think for yourself. And Jesus himself, he encourages people to consider him carefully and seriously before their decision and before following him. In Luke 14, he says, For which of you wanting to build a tower doesn't first sit down and calculate the cost to see if he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, after he has laid the foundation and cannot finish it, all of the onlookers will begin to ridicule him, saying this man started to build and wasn't able to finish. So it's okay for you to take this seriously and really think about what you think about Jesus before jumping in and devoting your entire life. For those of you that do know Jesus, we want this to be a place where you develop a college-level faith, at least. What I mean by that is there are, in my opinion, too many Christians who have a college-level education and a grade-level understanding of their faith. So we want to provide opportunities for you to go deep with your faith. So if you don't know Jesus or what you think about him, or if you do and you want to continue to grow and learn, Either way, that's great, and you have a place here. We invite you to come and hear what Jesus said for yourself. You can see what he did and think about what you think about that, or how you don't live that out, or how you do live that out. And we want to provide a place for you to do that while building real friendship with people here. Which brings me to my next thing. The first thing we're all about is following Jesus. Second thing is real relationships. Real relationships. So for us, that emphasis on real relationship, it ties completely with this focus on, on Jesus himself. We believe that we were never supposed to be a people who tried to learn to do what Jesus did day in and day out alone. We just don't think it works. We were meant to do that with other people. And we believe that the way Jesus lived and the way he treated his disciples actually transformed them because of the way he was friends with them, because of the way he lived with them. So I think it should follow that if we try to imitate that, we can actually help people and be people who treat people right, and that can transform people. 
but it starts with how we live here in community. It starts here with us. There are amazing speakers out there, people who write incredible sermons and speeches and songs and articles, and those things can change lives. Think of MLK's I Have a Dream speech. You can think of Winston Churchill's speeches in World War II that gave hope to people and resolve in the worst parts of the war. You can think of Nelson Mandela and his stuff during the inhumanity of the apartheid. Those powerful cries for justice in a time when white supremacy and all this stuff was going on that was terrible. And all those speeches were catalysts for change then, and they still impact people today. And of course, Jesus, with the Sermon on the Mount, the most famous sermon in history, he completely redefined the Israelites' understanding of their laws, what it meant to truly follow God and love their neighbor. But for most of us, the words that come out of our mouths, or that we write, will not impact that many people to that degree. Maybe some of you. But for most of us, that's just not going to be the case. It takes a lot of powerful rhetoric, charisma, and understanding for someone to give a speech that changes that many people. But we believe anybody can have a powerful, lasting impact on someone's life by being a really good friend to them. Yeah. <laughs> Which, compared to all those figures and speeches, may sound kind of underwhelming to you and unimpressive. They're not impactful. But I promise you that's actually just not the case. Each of you can think of influences in your life and probably the strongest influence that has shaped you up into this point has been relationships you have had for good or for bad. So we, that's key to why we emphasize relationships. We're here to learn how to do friendships well. How do we become the kind of people who are really good friends to people, not just in college, but for the rest of our lives? Because our culture needs it very badly. It needs it very badly. So we place a high premium on the things that lead to thriving relationships in this community. That means we value people being real and vulnerable with each other. We want to celebrate humility and people who look after others before themselves. And how we live all of this out, all of this relational stuff, as we look at these passages in scripture, they're often called the one another passages. I'm just going to read a few of them out. There's a bunch of them. I'm not going to give you all the references. I do have them if you want them. The one another's. Love one another. Be devoted to one another. Honor one another above yourself. Live in harmony with one another. Build up one another. Be like-minded towards one another. Accept one another. Admonish one another. Care for one another. Serve one another. Bear one another's burdens and forgive one another. These are just a handful any quick read through the New Testament, you'll see how much emphasis there really is on how we are supposed to treat each other. So because of all that, we're serious about this. Christianity was never supposed to be a religion about political power or divisiveness or hate or self-righteousness. And those are all adjectives that have been, I think, fairly used to describe the church in recent years, even if I don't think that's the picture of the church as a whole. The reality is, though, that each one of us here is full of all kinds of that brokenness that I just mentioned. And more. But the hopeful truth we have to live by is that that is not the end of the story of God working in the church. Because the Spirit is indwelling the people of God. 
and he wants to transform his people into a people who live out those one another passages. And they live those out because their very hearts have been transformed. Not because we practice self-improvement until we fix our problems, right? It's the Spirit's power that transforms. So that's why we keep coming back and focusing on how we treat one another, those passages. Because it's about how we treat each other in real life, face to face. It's about how we are to be in community with each other. And we're certainly inspired by the beautiful portrayal of the early Christian community in Acts 2, 44 through 47. It says, now all the believers were together and held all things in common. They sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all as any who had need. And every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple and broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And every day the Lord added to their number who were being saved. So these are just pictures from scripture of how we want to live in our community. We want you guys to have real meaningful friendships, some that last for decades. We don't want to aim low. We don't hope you graduate with just one friend you can count on for life. Yeah. What if we said we want you to leave with at least five deep, meaningful, spiritual friendships that you can carry with you into the rest of your life? Because we believe that is the best chance you can set yourself up for success. What I mean by that success is that you need people with you like that to weather the storms of life and following Jesus faithfully. You need a stable foundation with God and the people of God to share the burdens and joys with. And we don't want you to just have that while you're in college, but to build relationships that last well beyond that. Or at least build skills that help you create those wherever you go. Some of you are going to be called to far off places. So, we believe God is doing this, cultivating deep friendships in this community. I see this happen every single year. I don't have to have a lot of just faith and hope that that's happening. I see it in front of me. So the second thing we're about is real relationships. Now for the last one, developing leaders. Okay, I might have lost some of you. Leadership in our society has been put under a lot of scrutiny lately. Uh, with good reason, I think, because as it turns out, it seems like you know, the more rocks that we started looking under, there were more than a few snakes to be found under those rocks. Um, and stor stories about snakes catch fire much more than stories about just the faithful rest of the people. Um, and the snakes do have to be dealt with. You don't just turn your back on a snake and stand there hoping it doesn't do anything. Um, so anyway, all that to say, there's a lot of mistrust of leaders and institutions in our culture. But we believe that these, you know, discoveries about corruption and evil and leadership is not a call from us to shy away from teaching and talking about leadership, but quite the opposite. If it's a crisis of leadership, then something needs to be done. We need leaders that are humble, dedicated people whose main goal is to help people and point them to Jesus and not themselves. That's the kind of leadership we envision when we talk about that. And we see this as a key way of imitating Jesus. It's an extension of our focus on real relationships. Here's what I mean. Jesus, who is God himself, right? He did something that sounds very familiar to us if you've heard it over and over. Um, but on its face, is a very strange, just kind of strategic move for the God of the universe. So here's what he did. comes to earth. And he came and was born into relative obscurity to normal people. 
He lives in apparent anonymity for most of his life, up until his 30s when he starts his ministry. And then he only carries it out, his active ministry, for about three years. And then instead of seating himself in any formal rule, or looking for the places on earth with the most power and places he could be most influential in, he picked a handful of pretty sus, rough around the edges type of normal people and spent almost all of his time with them, going from town to town, telling confusing stories, and preaching extremely difficult things for people to hear. And then he caps all that off by allowing himself to be killed in a final act of love. And even after resurrection, he pretty soon ascends to heaven, entrusting the survival of this mission to these still pretty rough around the edges individuals who had just managed to kind of hang on for the ride. I mean, it's a bit, it's a bit odd, right? But we think that this should be instructive to us in how we think about what it should look like to actually impact and change the world. Whatever people think about Jesus spiritually, on a leadership level, it's widely acknowledged, Jesus was one of, if not the most influential person to ever live. So maybe, if developing leaders to be sent out just for those three years he was with them was a good enough model for Jesus, us setting up on campus and pouring into college students for four years is not such a wild idea of how to really make an impact on the world. See, we want people to come through here and go out and live lives that lead. We want them to live lives that help people and lives that are not just for themselves. It doesn't have to be dramatic or leadership in the same way that you might typically imagine, like the head of a company or the person who's the main spokesperson for this or that. Maybe some of you that will be the case, and that's great. Some of you will stay in this area. Many of you will go and reach far beyond this area. But what if your time in college taught you not just about how to learn your major, but about how to be more impactful than you've ever imagined? impactful in the lives that you live wherever you are for the rest of your lives. That's why we care about leadership. We want to equip you to go out and be world shakers, whether that's the whole world or just the part of the world that you immediately influence. And if you come through this ministry, you should be confronted with the choice to adapt the skills that will equip you to be not ordinary and to shape things, and it's up to you to utilize them and decide where God calls you to do that. But the point is the world needs people who lead in unordinary ways. I think it's world-shaking to lead in a way that's defined by love and grace and to be someone who cares more about the people around you than yourself. Learning those skills and implementing them will leave echoes of you long after you leave wherever you go. So that's the third thing. We're all about raising up leaders who will go out and be people who are influential and impactful and loving and caring. Okay, so let me wrap all this up. We're about to launch into a sermon series starting next week that follows Jesus through the middle of the Gospel of Matthew. We're only going to be spending time in a few chapters, chapters 5 through 10, so it's not the whole story of Matthew. It's a key part of it, though. Because through this, I think we're going to see Jesus' heart if we're paying attention. So in that time, we're looking to ask three questions about Jesus over these next few weeks. Three questions in this, in this series. And first of all, that's what did Jesus say? What did he actually say? That's where we want to start. 
So many of us do have preconceived notions about Jesus, good, bad, in between. We want to spend some time either hearing for the first time or being reminded again of what he actually said. What did he come here to teach? Jesus said he was bringing the kingdom of God. But what did he actually say about the kingdom of God? And does that kingdom sound like a good place? Does it sound like it's populated with the kind of people we want to be around or populated with the kind of people we want to be ourselves? And that question of what did he say can be a place for you to question Jesus if that's where you are. Do I believe what he said is good and true? And what is his heart like if he's saying these things? And then I invite you to ask the question to yourself, what do I do with this? Or if you already believe it's good and true, then we invite you to say, am I actually serious about following this? Not just do like I assent to this in an abstract way of, yes, this is good. But did I follow this this past week? Did I follow this today? Does my heart look like Jesus' heart? So that's the first question. What did Jesus actually say? What does that tell me about his heart? Next, we're going to look at what did Jesus do? We know he healed. We know he gave life to the dead and restoration to the broken. But what all did he do? Did what he ended up doing match up with what he said would be defining of the kingdom of God? Basically, did he show in his actions that kingdom he taught about and proclaimed? And if so, how did he do that? And then, of course, what did Jesus show me about his heart as he did things? And what does my heart look like in comparison? And then lastly, what did he send his people out to do? Which is where we come in. A key part of this story, again, is somehow the Lord of all the power saw fit to give out that power over and over to people who seemed undeserving. So if Jesus calls me to live as he lived, lead as he taught, and do so with his power, what does that really look like? So we have to hear what he said and see what he did to see his heart. And then we have to decide to let him change our heart to look like that. And as he does, we get to go out and do as he did and live based on how he taught. But first, we need to look firsthand at all of that and see what we actually make of it and ask where we are at in the journey. So anyways, I hope you'll join us. Um, it might get spicy. It should get spicy for all of us for hearing Jesus' words right. But we're here to do this together. So I hope you can make it out throughout the rest of these next few weeks and come along with us. Let me pray. And uh, worship team, y'all can come back up. God, you are